We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. We're very grateful. You ladies, now you guys are very important. You are. And we need some godly men in our country. Amen? We need some men who know what men really are in our country. And you are tonight here, and I'm thankful for that. But there is no replacement for you ladies, no matter how old or how young you are. These girls that are here today, you're becoming young ladies because you got a mama that loves you and they're pouring into you. Women teach the younger women commandment from God, and it's so valuable and so, so very important. I want to look at three scenarios because I truly believe it's not just because it's Mother's Day. If you know me, you know that I, I, I stand for this. But I truly believe that you ladies are so valuable to the church. Many churches would not function if it weren't for the women. Women do a lot of the work of the church in some places that they do most of the work of the church. You are so valuable, so important. And the scripture is going to prove that here tonight. I could go to many, many places. I had Jordan read about Deborah, and we'll look at that one as the third um, scenario here tonight. But I believe, literally, that one of the most important, powerful, effective leaders on this planet are godly women. I truly do. Because godly women have influence over their children. They have influence over their husband in the right way. They pray, and God hears your prayers. A woman came to me one time and I said, I just don't know what to do. I've got a son who's in prison. And I said, do you realize how valuable your prayers are to that son who's in prison? God will hear your prayers. You can approach boldly into the throne of grace. And your prayers, if you study the scripture, the Bible tells us that our deeds, the deeds of mankind are kept in a book. Now, you and I won't have to have the book opened on our life if we're Christians because we'll go to the judgment seat of Christ. But at the great white throne judgment, it said the books will be open. And that's every idle word, every sinful thing, every deed of mankind. So the deeds of mankind are in a book. Do you know where the tears that we shed are? They're in a bottle. The psalmist says you keep our tears in your bottle. But as we, as we look at... Uh, is look, we look at what we're seeing here tonight. The prayers of godly people are in heaven. Your prayers are found in that golden bowl that the angel was given and trusted to, to put holy incense in, to take fire from the altar of God and put in. And that bowl full of incense is the prayers of the saints. And when God gets ready to do some of the events of the end time, He's going to tell that, that, that mighty angel, you take that bowl with the prayers of the saints, the incense, and the fire from heaven, and you throw it down to earth. You may think your prayer was only prayed and God forgot it all. He doesn't. So your prayers go to heaven. And in the book of Hebrews, where else do your prayers go? The Bible tells us by a new and living way, we can enter into the holiest of holies. Now, a priest could only go in one time a year. If he went in dressed wrong, in a wrong manner, he died. That was where God's holy presence was. But the Bible says by the blood of Jesus, the payment that he made for you and me, we can go boldly, that's not pridefully, but it's confidently, into the throne of grace to find help in time of need. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of needs Spiritually, physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, every kind of need you can think of. And Jesus has made a, made a way for us to go in there into the presence of God. So that's where your prayers go. And I've told that woman, your prayers can reach that prison. They can reach that boy. A godly mom has wisdom. Would you agree? I didn't know how my mom knew some of those things. There were five of us children, and I did not know how she found out some of those things. She has wisdom. She has tremendous influence over her children. My mother could look at me. All she had to do was look at me in church, and I would straighten up. All she had to do was open her mouth, and I don't know about you. Those of you who have 
um, great relationships and you, you talk to your mom back and forth all the time. How many of you called your mom today? Doesn't live here. You called your mom. Praise the Lord. Good. I hope you do that. When my mom started talking to me about Jesus, I could get a lump in my throat about the, as big as my fist, and I couldn't say anything. But I listened. But I listened. So godly moms are chosen for special service. You godly mothers are special ops. You really are. To uh, You've heard the, the, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. You ladies have tremendous godly influence over much of the people on this planet. So I want to honor you ladies here tonight. Uh, I want you to look with me in the first place in the Gospel of Luke. We've been in Luke for a while, looking at the early years and the wonder years, the miracles that Jesus performed. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 8 for a moment. This is a passage, uh, really short, but I think sometimes we overlook what happened? Jesus began his ministry, and here on the earth, he had an earthly ministry of about a thousand days, about a thousand days, about three years. He led the, uh, the disciples or the apostles when he called those 12. There were other disciples that followed uh, with them. You remember in the Gospels, Jesus sent out 70 at one time. And told them to go and to preach the gospel. And those 70 returned. So there is a, there's a, a caravan. There is a group. There is a posse of Jesus' people that traveled with him for three years. And in Luke chapter 8, we get to find out something about that. Verse 1 says, soon afterwards, he, Jesus, began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene. I don't know if you've watched any of the chosen, whatever you think about that, but they, very, they dealt very well with the character of Mary Magdalene. Some of you that might be tuning in online, we are grateful you're listening to us tonight too. God bless you. But I thought they dealt with that character very well, Mary Magdalene. Uh, she had had, the Bible said, seven demons that Christ had cast out of her. And the moment those demons were cast out of here, she, she followed Jesus everywhere. She followed Jesus everywhere he went. And it says, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Cusa, however you pronounce that, Herod Steward. You mean even some of Herod's group? Yeah, even some of Herod's group got saved. Follow Jesus. And Susanna and many others who were contributing to their support. Now, wait a minute. Who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Do you know who funded the ministry of Jesus here on this earth? Women. I just think that's awesome. They took care of Jesus and those apostles and those disciples out of their own private means. Well, I thought women weren't supposed to be in business, you know, back in the 50s. Uh, no, she has to stay home and she can't do this. I want to tell you, the Proverbs 31 woman's a business woman. Did you know that? And these ladies were too. Out of their own private means, they funded the, the, the financial needs of Jesus and his apostles for those three years. I believe that that's a very important thing to honor. Uh, we don't hear about that. When's the last time you heard a sermon on the ladies that supported the, Jesus and his apostles? You just don't hear that very much. But I think it's very, very valuable and very important to honor that group of women. Um, these ladies followed Jesus, by the way, all the way to the cross. Did Peter follow Jesus to the cross? No, he hooked it. Did James, Nathaniel, and Philip, and, and the other Judas, did uh, the other John, did, did all of them follow Jesus? The only one that was with Jesus at the foot of the cross was John, the apostle, and these women. I just think they were fearless. 
I don't know about you, but I've seen some tough men before. But I've also seen some fearless women. And uh, we'll end tonight looking at one of those. So you ladies, I just want to tell you how valuable and important you are. Um, God loves you. He created you in a special way. I've shared with you before, he scooped Adam out of the ground and he made a man, but he took the rib from Adam and he fashioned a woman. That word fashion is speaking of a wise master builder that does a masterpiece. He makes a masterpiece. And Adam, who had a God-placed desire in him that he didn't even know what it was, He's sitting there naming all those animals. I can't help but laugh when I think about that. There's a big aardvark, and then there's a littler aardvark that smells a little bit better. She doesn't have as much mud all over her. And he says, you're an aardvark, because he named the animals. And he saw, evidently, there was two of a kind. And then the other animals came up to him. There's two of a kind there, and there's two of a kind there. And he began to look at himself, and there's nobody else for me. God put him to sleep, took that rib and fashioned Eve. And it says, God brought Eve to him. And the first thing Adam says is, now. And us men have been saying that ever since. When we look at you beautiful women. Because you are beautiful, not just on the outside, but you're beautiful on the inside. And when Eve was given to Adam, that fulfilled a God-placed desire that he didn't even know what it was before. And that's why he said, but now. And they too became one flesh. God looked at them as one. There's nothing more beautiful, nothing more beautiful than a godly woman. Peter writes and he says, let it be the hidden man of the heart. Look good on the outside, but let it be the hidden man of the heart that everybody else can see. Your spirit that is surrendered to the Lord. Uh, I remember three girls that came and sang at our college. And I was shy, believe it or not. Do you believe that? I tell my wife that I'm shy. She said, no, you're not. You talk to everybody all over the world. We, we're in Europe sometimes on trips. And I, I start talking to the, whoever it is. And, uh, but there were three girls and they came and they sang so beautifully at the student union building. And one of them was just so pretty. And I was scared to death. I wanted to go talk to her, but I was just scared to death. But you know what? She was not only very, very pretty, but she was singing about Jesus. And you could tell she loved Jesus. And that was so attractive to me. So attractive to me. I was in an emergency room visiting a man that was, that was hurt one time. And they let me be in there to pray with him. And the nurses and doctors were running back and forth. And I saw the way this young nurse carried herself and the way she acted, the way she helped this man, the way she treated everybody else in that emergency room. And before I left, I said, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And I said, you know him too, don't you? And a great big smile came over her face. She said, yes, I do. I tell you what, that, that is attractive. If some of you are single here tonight, I remember when I, when I was young, I heard somebody say, uh, he, he said he was single, but he said, I can marry any girl I please. I just don't please any of them. And that was my case uh, for a long time. But there's nothing more attractive than a woman, no matter what age, that loves Jesus, that follows him, that is strong, but is meek. And so I just wanted you to see here, I honor here 2,000 years later, these ladies that follow Jesus, not only taking care of them out of their own private means, uh, cooking for them and providing the things they needed. But when it came time for Jesus to get arrested and beaten and accused and through six trials, six different trials, he wasn't convicted of any of them because he was, he was guiltless. But guess who was there at the cross? These women, same one. So I honor them. Uh, just like a mom does for her children or household, these ladies cared for and provided for the Son of God and his chosen men. That's scenario number one. And I just want to honor you. That was a support group. And I tell you what, you ladies are a support group. 
for your family. You may say, I haven't seen my children in a long time. I've been divorced before. Well, those all things, you, you just lay them down at the foot of the cross and let God work with, with you and all those things. He can make all things brand new, and he can make something good out of anything. But I want to tell you, a godly mother's support is so valuable. My mother used to look at us, and uh, she would hold my hands when I was little. And, and I, I would think, what in the world is she doing? She wanted me to hold her hand out in public. You know, when I got to be junior high, I didn't want to because that was embarrassing. But, but I'd love to hold her hand today, I want to tell you. But she would look at my hands, and she'd say, I just wonder what these hands are going to be used for. I wonder what God's going to do in your life and what are these hands going to do the rest of your life? She didn't know it, but she was encouraging me so much. She was building me up and I felt like I I could take on the world because my mom supported me. She supported me. So ladies, keep doing that. It's very, very valuable. Uh, Turn a page or two over to Luke chapter 10, please. I want to look at a second scenario of godly women. Not necessarily talking about them being a mother, but this is very relatable to a mom. And it's going to be relatable because you've heard this story many times in your life. I want to look at it maybe a little bit different way. In Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38, moms are amazing multitaskers. There were five of us children. If she's carrying one on her hip, in the grocery store and she's got a purse over her shoulder on the other one. Do I think that I can act up because she can't handle all those things at one time? I want to tell you what, she can have a purse and she can have one kid on her hip and she can still take care of me if I get out of line. You ladies are multitaskers. Us men most of the time are one track men, right? And it's hard for us to even stay on that one track if, if we admit it. But God has designed ladies to be able to do so many things because you help children so much. You help the household so much. You help in different manners, in the church so much. You know one of the the times that you ladies shine is when there's a funeral in the church. When there's a funeral, ladies rush in like a team of special ops and they get everything done. They see what needs to be done and, and you bless those families so much while us guys are going, I wonder what I need to do. I'm not making fun of us guys, but just just be honest. You ladies are multitaskers and you can do many, many things. Think about many things at one time. And that's amazing to me. But look at this lady here in in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, Jesus, the apostles, these other ladies, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, we're going to look at Mary and Martha. You probably studied it many, many times. And... But we can't miss part of the passage. Mary chose a great thing to sit and listen to Jesus. Martha did some other things, but there's some good things Martha was doing. And I want you to notice that very first thing. She welcomed Jesus into her house. Hospitality. That is a virtue that is so wonderful. Uh, The church that I pastored for all those years before was a smaller church. We would go home to someone's house after church. We played games, we ate. And there were so many times the mama, the mama, they just adopted all of us. The mama was bringing us food. We ran out and she'd bring some more food. I mean, you wanted to go to those homes because that mom was hospitable. She opened her home. She welcomed you. Now men do that too, but we're talking about women tonight. It says, Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word, and that's a wonderful thing. Why wasn't Martha sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his word yet? You ever thought about that? I believe she ended up there, but look what happened. But Martha was distracted. I don't know how moms can do all that they do. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, if you are my age or older, do you remember that children usually, in my case, maybe I'm wrong where you lived, but we had one thing going on at a time. If it was Little League, that's all that was going on. 
If it was football practice, that's all that was going on. If it was dance recitals or dance uh, lessons, that's all that was going on. So a family could go and there wasn't multiple things. Now, it looks like mom and, moms and dads travel all over the country to take them to, to football and basketball and volleyball and, and to dance and to gymnastics and to all these different things. I don't know how parents do it today. But moms are so good at that. They remember what time you're supposed to be there. They remember when to pick the child up. How many of you parents have ever left your child somewhere? Let's be honest here tonight. Have you left them and they, somebody called and said, uh, were they supposed to go home with you, Pam, you have? Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? You have? Uh-huh. How long was it before the call came or you realized? It wasn't very long? Good, good. She's a good mama. Anybody got left for days? Uh, no, no, I hope not, but... But you ladies are the ones that keep up with all that and you, you multitask and you remember and you see the needs of others. My mom met needs that I didn't even know I had. She was, she was steps ahead. Oh, be sure and take this to school. I wouldn't have thought about that until about 3.30 the afternoon. Oh, by the way, I'm supposed to have that. Mama was ahead of me. Multitask. Look what it says, though. It says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Now, that's not a bad thing that she was doing, but she was so busy doing so much that something was left out. I think about Becky up here, and I, forgive me for calling you out here, but, but as Becky uh, teaches women, she teaches others how to be a godly woman, and she does it very well because she teaches from the Word and she teaches from experience. But one of the things there is that uh, I'm sure you have to deal with so many ladies that are so busy. All of them don't have husbands at home. All of them don't have uh, jobs that they can uh, take off to be with their kids, but they're so busy. I don't know how moms or ladies could not be distracted so much. But I know my sister Becky here, and she's always going to point them, no matter how busy you get, no matter how distracting Little League and dance and school and papers and projects and, and clothes and food and everything else, no matter how distracting everything is, you can't forget to sit at the feet of Jesus, right? You cannot sacrifice worshiping Jesus personally. And that's what Martha found herself doing. She was so busy that it distracted her from her relationship and what she could be with Jesus. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Doesn't that sound just like a sister? Doesn't that sound just like a brother? We go and tell our parents, did you know what they did? They haven't cleaned their room. You told me to do this. My mother was so patient. I, I can't believe she put up with all the things that five of us Gave her such a hard time about. But my mama didn't get distracted to where she didn't sit at Jesus' feet. And I think that's one of the keys. One uh, I read this week about a husband who realized how much his wife did. And uh, he made a commitment that he would do everything the family, the home, the household needed on Saturdays. He would keep the kids all day long. He would clean. He would wash clothes. He would do everything. And he let his wife have Saturday to go with her friends to do anything she needed. A long time ago, Jonathan Edwards, who was a, was a very faithful minister in the gospel. Uh, and back then, you didn't get on an airplane. You got on a horse. And you traveled around from town to town. He would go miles and miles carrying the gospel. It was not always accepted. Um, I think it was Jonathan Edwards one, one time that I read, uh, preached in the morning at 10 o'clock, they ran me out of town. Preached at 2 o'clock in this town, they asked me never to come back again. Preached the next day at 9 o'clock in the morning, they threw rocks at me. They preached in that afternoon, and ever, no, but nobody came. I preached in the morning. He did that all week long, but he was faithful. He continued in the last of it, preached on Friday afternoon and 10,000 people showed up to hear the gospel. Isn't that something? Maybe not 10,000, but thousands. 
But you know what Jonathan Edwards would do? He set aside Mondays, every Monday, no matter what, barring sickness or an emergency, to be with his wife. It was her day. He would do anything. When I go home sometimes and I say, Holly, what do you want to do? She's looking like, uh, what are you here for? <laughs> Don't you have something to do? Where, where are you supposed to be? I believe that you ladies do so much for your homes, for your families, for your husbands, for your children, for your church. But don't forget to sit at Jesus' feet. Read good books. Pray often. Read the scriptures. Because that'll be your energy. That'll be your, your, your power that God gives you to continue in the journey. Martha needed to learn a lesson. Look what it goes on to say. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered. Can we get worried and bothered? Let's just admit it. We can. All of us can. We can get worried about what's going on. Is there going to be enough money at the end of the month? Is there going to be enough food? Uh, I'm worried because someone's ill in our family. I'm worried about what's happening in our city and our country. We can get worried about a lot of things. And he said, Martha, you're worried and bothered. And those things were becoming paramount in her life instead of distraction. All the things she was doing, worry and being bothered, had become too important. But he said, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary's chosen the good part, which should not be taken away from her. Martha, you can't forsake your personal walk with Christ. Make sure that's a priority, and he'll give you the power to do these other things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. We've got to have priorities right. So I believe Martha needed to learn a lesson. Let's look a little closer. She, but she welcomed Jesus into her home. And I think a godly woman is hospitable. She is welcoming. Uh, did you have some children, some friends growing up, that there was at least one house that you knew you always could go to? Did you have one house that that mom, I, I remember having one friend one time and I went over to visit him. He said, well, my parents don't let anybody in our house. They don't let anybody in our house. And I thought, wow, that's strange. Here, she welcomed Jesus into her house. She was busy with life just like you are. She had so much going on that it got easy to be distracted and worried. And she needed a break to slow down and get closer to Jesus. Men, if you have a woman in your family, could you do something this week to give her a break? Could you do it? Well, we're just dating. Get started right early. Could you do something for your girlfriend to give her a break so that she could do something she wanted to do? Church, could we do something for these ladies to help them so they could have a break and have time to sit down at the feet of Jesus? Third scenario, and that's back in Judges. You don't have to turn there if you, you don't want to, but Jordan read to us, about a woman named Deborah. My sister's name was Deborah. I had one sister named Deborah. Deborah, the Bible says, was a prophetess. And that means that God chose to open her mouth at times and speak his words through her. Miriam was a prophetess. That's Moses' sister. Mary and Elizabeth prophesied to one another. Philip in the book of Acts had four daughters who were prophetesses that God could use to open their mouth and speak his word through. And Deborah also was a judge. If you remember the book of Judges, these are not spiritual leaders. They're military leaders. They are secular leaders that were raised up. She's not a preacher. She's not uh, out of her role at all. Some commentaries say that she had to stand up and be a judge because men had forsaken their responsibilities. I don't know about that. But Deborah was called by God to be the spiritual leader 
in a secular way for the people of Israel. She could pray and hear what God uh, showed them to do. It wasn't necessarily settling disputes. It's not like she's a judge that people would bring all their problems to, and it's like, you know, they bring down the gavel and they judge right and wrong. That's not the kind of judges they were. Judges were, were secular leaders that were raised up by God because the cycle in the book of Judges would Israel would sin, they would be punished, usually by another country over, overthrowing them. They would cry out to God. God would raise up a deliverer, show them what to do to be delivered. Sin, punishment, cry, deliverance. How many times do you think that happened in the book of Judges? Seven different times. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Sin, punishment, cry, deliverance. By the way, do you remember how the book of Judges ends? Very telling. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I'll say what real truth is. I'll say what real morality is. I'll make the judgment between right and wrong. I know God, he's got a standard of his word, but I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to do what I say is right. I've always thought about that. What if when I left here tonight, I said, I don't want to drive on the right-hand side of the road. I want to drive on the left hand because I think it's right. And I choose to make that decision on my own and call that right. Do you think I'll make it home? I did hear about an elderly man who they had just gotten a cell phone uh, and given it to him so they could kind of keep up with him. He'd get in his pickup and he would drive around from time to time. And so he was gone driving around. And on the news, there came a report saying, uh, be careful if you're on such and such road because... There's a vehicle going the wrong way, in the, in the, the wrong lane going the other, uh, the other way. So his wife called him and said, honey, be careful. On the news, they said that there was a vehicle going the wrong way. And he said, there's not one vehicle. There's hundreds going the wrong way. Think about that for a minute. How good would it be if I just decided to change the law? Because I think that's right. I forsake the standard. I forsake God and what he said to do. So Deborah was a prophetess. She was a judge. Um, she could discern the will of God. Now, we're in the northern part of lower Israel. If you've ever been to Israel, you've seen Mount Tabor. I've got some friends that have just been there a few days ago. And we've got some people from the church going there just uh, very soon. Mount Tabor, T-A-B-O-R. Well, the enemy was going to attack God's people. They're fighting against God's people. And Barak is the leader of the army, and he says, we need to go and fight against them. But he had learned something. He had learned you don't go to battle unless God tells you to. Pretty wise. And the only way he could figure out whether or not God was telling them to go or not was go to Deborah and say, Deborah, would you pray? And would you ask God to answer us? And I want to tell you in my life, uh, many, many times I went to my mom. I go to my wife and I say, would you pray about this? Uh, I ask my children to pray. Uh, I ask my brothers and sisters in the church to pray. Would you pray that God would give me wisdom and discernment on what to do? So, you know where Deborah was? I just picture this. She's out underneath a palm tree. She is out in the country underneath a palm tree sitting down, and it said Israel would go out to her. You know, I mentioned Mount Tabor. If you look it up, if you Google it, you're going to see a mountain, but you're going to see a really flat area next to it. And it's a beautiful place. If you've ever been there, you're looking off the Mount of Precipice and you look down and there's green crops planted and there's plowed ground and there's water out there, but it is flat. And I'm talking about for miles. And the guide, I was looking at that and taking pictures, taking video and everything, and it's so beautiful. And he said, you know what that is, don't you? I said, I have no idea. He said, that's where Armageddon's gonna be. That huge battle at the end of time when all the nations are gathered against Israel and God comes and fights. And you talk about a battlefield. It is a, it's called the, the plain of Jezreel, Megiddo. And it is beautiful. Mount Tabor is right next to that. 
and that's where Barak wants to go fight. He asked Deborah to pray. Deborah prays, God, do you want him to go? And God answered him, yep, I want you to go and defeat these enemies of God. Uh, she didn't lead by physical strength. She led by spiritual strength. Deborah's head and her heart were in God's hand. Barak's hands uh, were what he depended on, his physical strength, but Deborah didn't. She depended on the spiritual strength that God would give. Uh, between Ramah and Bethel, uh, Ramah means height, Bethel means a house of God. Some people have said that's between man and God. That's the mountain where they were on. Do you know what Barak means? It means lightning, or it can mean in vain, in vain. Deborah calls for Barak. She hears from God what to do, what mountain, how many men to take, which men. And she told him exactly what God had commanded. You know, a, a good mom does the same thing today. She tells her children what God says. I cannot, and I know I've talked to you too much about my mom, but I cannot tell you how many times she would start telling me what God had done for our family, where that next meal had come for, for us five children. Let me tell you what God did. And it was so, so beautiful for me to hear my mom talk about that. Brock told that God would bring the enemy to him. That's what God had said. Told he, he was told that the enemy would bring the chariots and multitude of men. And was told that, that God would give the enemy into Barak's hand. But he's got a question. Am I going to believe what Deborah said? He's going to go out there and lead the army. But he's a little worried because although God had said it, he doesn't have the relationship with God that, that Deborah does. And you know what he says? Well, I'll go fight if you'll go with me. You ever been like that before? You want somebody that loves the Lord with you? I have. I'll go do this, but I want you to go with me. Do you remember when Jesus sent out the 70 in the Gospels? He sent them out to, to heal the sick and to preach the Gospel, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. Do you remember what he, how did he send them out? Did he send them out one by one? He sent them out two by two. You know why? Because we need each other. You guys encourage me. You help build me up. I pray that I do that for you. God intended us to be that to one another. Two by two. The Bible says two are better than one. Three, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Two are better than one because when one falls, the other one is there to pick them up. You remember those verses? We need each other. Those of you who might have been in military or maybe in police work. Sir, were you in the police work? I think I'd talked to you before. How important is your partner? How important is that one that is there willing to lay down their life for you? That's what God intended. So Barack's not dumb. He may be scared, but he's not dumb. He says, Deborah, will you go with me? Will you go with me? And you probably know the rest of the story. Uh, she says, I'll go with you, but God's not going to give the victory into a man's hand. He's going to give the victory into a woman's hand. And Deborah's not talking about herself. If you look in Judges 5, 24 and, 20, 24 and 5, there's a woman named Jael. And I won't go there tonight, but just look it up. Jael and something about a tent peg. When the enemy thought he had escaped God. Can you, can you really hide from God? Where would you go to hide from God? Have you found that place yet? Well, he ran in this lady's house. She said, come on in, and you read about it later. 1 Samuel 15, 33, another time he said, as your sword has made others, other mothers childless, so will your mother be childless. As you have done, so shall it be done unto you. Bible truths. So we see three different scenarios. We see um, a support group that a mom is a support like nobody else. We see Martha that could multitask. She was doing so much that she must be careful that she takes time to stop and to worship our, the Lord. And then we see what the Bible says, this strong woman, a judge in the land of Israel that says, I arose a mother in Israel. She was like a mama 
to the, to the country of Israel. Good leadership. Faithful women. I want to read to you again what Jordan started out reading to us tonight. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day because God kept his word. They won the battle. He gave them all their chariots. He gave all the enemy exactly like God said. And he said that, I, that the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered. Bless the Lord. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. The travelers went by roundabout ways. The peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, a mother in Israel. Deborah was a faithful leader. She was a faithful follower of God. She was faithful to the word of God. And I thought this was really interesting. Do you know what the word, the name Deborah means? It means honeybee. But there's two parts of that. A honeybee can give something so sweet that we love to eat it, honey. But what else can that honeybee do? It can sting you and it'll hurt. I thought about that. Deborah, made by God, a strong woman could be as sweet as could be until she needed to protect somebody, to stand up. Have you ever seen a mama bear a couple years ago, I had Nate show a video. I won't do that tonight. But a mama bear that was worried for her cubs. Some of you nice, calm, sweet, kind, gentle ladies can turn into a mama bear. Because God made you that way. I love it. My sister was taking a bath in our home one night and we heard a blood-curdling scream because someone had stuck their hand through the open window. That would have been frightening, wouldn't it? Guess who jumped out and got outside faster than anyone? My mama. She weighed about 100. She got out there before anyone else did. Because she was the sweetest human I ever knew. But she could be a mama bear. She could sting if she needed to. I love that Deborah's name means that, a honeybee. She was sweet to her allies, and she could sting the enemies. That's a good thing. I just want to close tonight with a couple things. Those three scenarios, though. Be like Martha, get a lot of work done, but make sure you take time. And husbands, you make sure you or your wives can have time that they can sit at the feet of Jesus. Honor women where they deserve to be honored. They're the ones that took care of Jesus and the apostles. They paid for it. We've got things backwards in our world today a lot of times. And this last one, Deborah was chosen by God to be a judge in Israel. But more than a judge, she was a mama. She was a mama in Israel. And I don't believe there's any greater calling. I hear some people say sometimes, what do you do? What's your career? Well, I'm just a homemaker. If you are a godly woman and you love your husband, you love your children, I want to tell you, you can be so grateful and thankful and you can with honor say, I've been blessed to be a wife and a mama. My mom in 1966 came home and said, I'm sick. Got to go in the hospital. We're going to church next Sunday. I had never heard of a church. I didn't know what it was. A preacher came to visit her while she was in the hospital. She said, that's the church that we'll go to. So five children and my mom, who was dying of cancer at that time, took the road down the road from our home to go to church. My dad didn't. He never went. And she got us little children, uh, you know, younger. She got us all ready, the older children. She got everybody ready, and we went to church. We sat on the back row on the right-hand side. She had been brought up in church, but she hadn't been walking with the Lord for a long time. And for 10 years, I watched my physical mother 
her physical body die right in front of my eyes. Weekly, you could see her deteriorating. She worked three jobs to help feed us children. She had us in church every Sunday. But while those 10 years were going on and I saw her physical body declining day after day, I saw her spiritual life increasing. And she grew in the Lord. She grew in wisdom. She grew in faith. She grew in the word. She taught Sunday school for children. She would prepare those lessons at one of her jobs while she was working. She made the communion bread. She made it at home that we had. She helped the pastor with secretarial work. She cleaned the church for everyone. She would do a tape ministry. She would record the, the uh, sermon, and then she would take them out to everybody in the church that couldn't get out of their home, the shut-ins, while she was dying of cancer. Some people sometimes to me say, Mike, you're so busy, you're doing so much. I get embarrassed to hear that. I thank everybody. It's very kind of them to pray for me. But I get embarrassed because I think of my mom. She did so much more. A few days, really a few hours before she died, I'm standing beside her bedside. And she said, do you have any questions for me? Do you want to ask anything? And you know what happened? Like I told you before, that big lump got in my throat. And I couldn't say anything. But she was faithful to the end. And there's nothing that could happen I could think of in my life that would encourage me any more than what happened in 1976. She went to be with Jesus. And walking out of that hospital, I believe that I heard the Lord's impression inside of my heart. It's you and me now. Because I'd kind of live my faith through my mom a little bit. You ever done that? But it, I believe he showed me it's you and me now. You need to stand on your own two feet and you need to walk humbly with your God. That's Micah 6, 8, by the way. That's my life verse. I have it in my office. I have it at home. I have it written over everything. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And there's nothing on this planet and I've been inspired by military leaders, and I still get inspired by that. By the way, Legacy, the 4th of July celebration that we have coming up is going to be June 30th. I invite all of you to come. I don't care how old any of you are. I want you to come. We've got an Iwo Jima survivor coming to speak. Is that not cool? You know that picture where they're pushing the, the flag up, those men? He was a few yards away from them. And he is 97 years old, the same age as Pastor Mel. He is dynamic. He is funny. He is energetic. He is, he is a man that gives glory to God and honors our country. So you come and listen to him. I've had breakfast with him, and I was blown away. That inspires me. But I want to go on record tonight. I've never been inspired any more than a godly mama, a godly woman, that did it well. I want to repeat a poem that I probably read to you a couple years ago. Uh, as I was growing in the Lord, my mom would give me things to read and she wanted me to follow Jesus and to love him. And she gave me a poem, a book to read and it had this poem in it she pointed out to me. And uh, as a young, young boy, it, it always impacted me. And I want to close that. I'll just read the poem and then we'll pray. But I want to honor you ladies. It's Mama's Day. I hope that you've been blessed. I hope you will be blessed. Uh, I just want to tell you, God is using you more than you know. And be faithful. And you will, you will transform people's lives. Uh, you will alter eternity because you love the Lord. The poem is entitled, Two Mothers. Long time ago, so I've been told, two angels once met on streets paved with gold. By the stars in your crown, said the one to the other, I see that on earth you too were a mother. And by the blue tinted halo you wear, you too have known sorrow and deepest despair. Ah, yes, she replied, I once had a son, a sweet little lad, full of laughter and fun. But tell of your child, oh, I knew I was blessed from the moment I first held him close to my breast. 
and my heart almost burst with joy of that day. Ah, yes, said the other. I felt the same way. The former continued, the first steps he took, so eager and breathless, the sweet startled look which came over his face, he trusted me so. Ah, yes, said the other, how well do I know. But soon he had grown to a tall, handsome boy, so stalwart and kind, and, and it gave me such joy to have him just walk down the street by my side. Ah, yes, said the other mother, I felt the same pride. How often I shielded and spared him from pain, and when he for others was so cruelly slain, when they crucified him and they spat in his face, how gladly would I have hung there in his place. A moment of silence. Oh, then you are she, the mother of Christ. And she fell on one knee. But the blessed one raised her up, drawing her near and kissed from the cheek of the woman a tear. Tell me the name of the son you love so that I might share with your grief and your woe. She lifted her eyes looking straight at the other. He was Judas Iscariot. I am his mother. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for these ladies that are here tonight and it's a joy to honor them. I do ask you to hear their prayers. As you heard De Deborah and, and you guided her to fight the battles of God, empower these ladies to fight the battles of God, to pour into their children, to love their husbands, to love their church, to work hard like Martha, but to not get distracted, worried, or bothered, to take time to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary. Thank you, Lord, for the hospitality of ladies that just pours out of them, doing for others so selflessly. Thank you, Lord, for those ladies that fed you and the apostles, and we honor them here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Deborah, who was a mama in Israel. And I thank you for every one of these ladies in this room tonight. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, we pray. And Lord, as we leave the church to here tonight, uh, would you let these people that are here on Sunday night in the Sunday evening service know that they're loved, they're prayed for. And Lord, I ask you to use us because there's a lot of children out there that don't have a mom or a dad that point them to you. Please rescue them. Use a teacher, use a coach, use a policeman, use a neighbor, use a friend. Save them, Lord. Pull them out of this world full of sin. Thank you for these passages we've looked at tonight. And Lord, would you bless our mamas? In Jesus' name, amen.